Welcome to the Wellspring Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message from this Sunday's service. I don't know if this is the first time this has ever happened, but uh, I'm actually teaching today on the same thing that they're being taught in the very back today. Um, And they're actually jumping into Matthew chapter 5, the Beatitudes, and and we're actually going to kind of jump into that and tap into that. But today, if you're wondering what we're talking about, it is actually a a pretty common theme that we we speak about here, but we're going to talk about dependence on the Lord. And I know last week was Independence Day, where we celebrate that we declared our independence. And, uh, but I'm just saying today is I believe that we're going to declare our dependence on the Lord. As I believe that's um, the kingdom. I believe it's an upside down kingdom is what Jesus came and presented. It, um, there was a way that everyone thought the Lord did things and um, their idea of God. And some things they were right, but Jesus came and he built upon a foundation. And he was the fulfillment of all the prophetic utterances that we read about in the Old Testaments. He fulfilled the law and he fulfilled the word of the prophets. And he, he was, the Bible says that he was the exact that he is the exact image is that we look to him and we see the father. Right. And so um, Jesus, he carried the culture of heaven within him. All right. He came and he stepped into a world and a culture that was different from the culture of heaven. And he came and he released the culture of heaven in the earth. And it, some people, they couldn't grasp it. Those who did grasp it, um, it changed our history. It changed. It's why we're here for those who embraced what God was doing. And I believe that the culture of heaven, the, the, the kingdom of heaven, it actually wants to confront any other culture living inside of you that um, opposes it because it is God's. The, the, when I say the kingdom of heaven, the culture of heaven, it is the way God does things. It is everything under his rule and domain. It is the way that if we say God is going to do something, it's the way he sees it, says it, the way he does it, right? And I believe he invites us into the kingdom. He invites us into the kingdom. You are invited and you are actually called as believers to be citizens of heaven. And that doesn't mean that just one day you get to go and when you die and you're going to heaven. But I believe that it's it's a present reality that we are living as citizens of the kingdom of heaven right now. Amen. Amen. And so um, I want to kind of give you a little, um, I guess, a few things before we jump into into the the meat of the message. But I just wanted to talk about that for a minute about the kingdom of God, because Jesus came um, into a very religious culture. And you see that the religious culture of day, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, they were the ones who they, they couldn't wrap their minds around Jesus um, and, and the message that not just the message he preached, but the message that he was. Everything he did, you know, they couldn't this it, it confronted their religion. It confronted the form that they had. Right. It confronted the rules. It confronted the all the things that they thought about God. Right. And I love in, in John chapter one, John, the, the one of Jesus's closest disciples, he begins to talk about who Jesus was, that he was the light of the world and that he came into a people that were his own that he created. But they didn't recognize him. They didn't recognize him. 
And how easy is it for us in our attempt to be good, do good, and have all the best intentions that sometimes we miss God? We don't see him. And I believe that the goal is always to see him and to know him. It's always the goal. You know, it's like in, in, in one season, the Lord could be, I find that he can be asking one thing. And what we like to do as humans is we like to take what he's told us and what has worked. And we like to make it a formula and say, this is it. This is how it's done. But then you'll find God say, well, I don't want to do it th that way this time. Actually, why? Because he wants relationship. He wants an ever going saying, hey, I want to actually speak to you about how to do things. You know, I love with with the kings of Israel as they that many of them engaged in different wars and battles. Right. And if you go and you read, it was every time one of them inquired of the Lord um, or, or I'd say every time. But there were these moments where the Lord would ask them to do off the wall things in battle. Like he would say, hey, I don't want you to actually fight at all. He said, the battle's mine. I just want you to do this. And then there were times where, like with Gideon, where he said, oh, you got, I know you're, you're facing a massive army, but I just, I think you've got too many soldiers, right? If you're the, if you're the, the leader, you're probably like, Lord, are you, are you for real right now? You uh, look there, we're already outnumbered and we've got too many. And so the Lord's ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And Here's the thing, and, and really, we're talking about dependency, but in that, it's talking about trusting the Lord. Trusting the Lord. And uh, we had this just beautiful discussion in the back before, um, just during pre-service prayer, where we were just talking about trusting the Lord, and it was amazing. And so Jesus came to really show us what dependence on the Father. You read in John chapter 5, and Jesus says that, I just do what I see the Father doing. He, he, he said, I, I'm, I'm following the Father's lead. I'm showing you that out of relationship, I'm leading my life. Out of full submission to the Father, I'm leading my life. And I believe that that's what the Lord has called us to. Um, in Romans chapter 14, 17, it says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So it's saying this is that the kingdom of God, where he was, Paul was speaking to the religious rules of the day. He was speaking to the things that were the culture of the day, the, the arguments of the day that were happening. And, and he was saying, listen, the, the rules with the eating and the drinking, the things that you're arguing about, the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but it's a relationship. It's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. It's actually finding those things in him and living from that place. Okay. And, um, you know, the world confronts behavior, but the kingdom confronts the heart. The world confronts behavior. It looks, what have you done? How, how are you doing this? How are you? What, and, what, and, and that can, I'm saying that can bring temporary change in your life is to have your behavior confronted. But there's something about when the kingdom comes and actually does something in your heart and your desire begins to change. I was talking to somebody this um, well, a few weeks ago, and they were telling me, I need to do this, and I need to do this, and I need to do this. And I, I stopped them. I said, man, all the things that you're saying that you need to do, 
the Lord wants to make those desires. You're saying you recognize that you need to do the right thing, but you don't actually want to do the right thing. The Lord wants your heart. He wants to actually cause you to say, man, I don't just need to do that. I want to do that. And that's something only the Spirit of God produces inside of us as we submit to Him. Amen? So, good word. So, you know, the... I love that Jesus came to set people free from guilt and shame. I believe many people that don't understand the kingdom of God and that is the spirit of God that's changing desire. We are in a constant cycle of trying to fix what only God can. And if your motivator in life is guilt and shame, like you're like, oh, I've just, I got to quit doing it. I got it. And it's this, then I'd say this is that the, the Lord wants you to encounter him because he's full of grace. It is the goodness of God. It's the kindness of God that leads you to repentance. It's the, and repentance is this. It's not just a, I'm sorry, I messed up. It is actually something that the Holy Spirit does inside of us as we submit to him. And it is the changing of desire. It is the, I have turned from something to something else. And so um, I, I wanted to say that because I believe for many people, they see they, they are, their response to their life many times in the things that are disappointing is to beat themselves up until they feel like they can get better. And the, um, you can never punish yourself into purity. We've said that before. You can't punish yourself into purity. Won't happen. I'm not now I believe there is godly sorrow for things. But again, that is as we're coming to the spirit of God, he does that inside of us. It starts with a humbling ourselves. It starts with realizing our need for him, our need for him. We need him. Right. Can you can we just say that? Say, Lord, we need you. Y'all good. All right. I want to I want to jump into this. Matthew chapter 11 Verse 28 through 30, Jesus says this, says, are you weary carrying a heavy burden? Anybody fit that? If, if he asked you that question, you'd be like, ooh, me. Um, he says, come to me. I will refresh your life for I am your oasis. Simply join your life with mine. Learn my ways and you'll discover that I'm jump, gentle, humble, and easy to please. You will find refreshment and rest in me for all that I require of you will be pleasant and easy to bear. It's in the pa Passion Translation and NIV Jesus says, come to me. All you who are weary and heavy, heavy laden, I will give you rest. I'll give you rest. The way of the kingdom, Jesus comes and he demonstrates a different way in coming into your identity. He's saying you don't get better by taking on the burdens of life and just saying, oh, I'm just if I put enough pressure on myself, I'll do it. It's coming and asks, actually becoming dependent on him, casting your cares on the one who cares for you. Right. And so Jesus is saying this. He's saying, come to me. I think a lot of times our issue in life is that we don't come to him. And maybe even when we do come to him, we don't come to him with a heart that's actually open and humble. Right. And I can say this is that the best thing that you could ever do in life is learn to come to him with a heart that says, again, I need you. I need you. And to not leave that place. Right. So. Um, we're going to jump into to Matthew 5, but before I do that, I want to 
I didn't give the guys in the back this passage, um, but I want to read something to you. John chapter 4, if you have your Bibles, starting in verse 7, Jesus is encountering a Samaritan woman at a well. And we've, we've, if you've been here for a while, we probably talk about it's, it's one of my favorite interactions that Jesus had with somebody. So Jesus is coming to a Samaritan woman. The Jews and Samaritans did not get along. There was conflict. They believed differently. The Jews looked down on the Samaritans. The Samaritans thought, well, the Jews are a bunch of stuck up people. And there was conflict. And so they did not associate with each other. And so Jesus, who didn't really care about that culture, he cared more. He carried a different culture, like we were saying, right? He goes and he encounters this woman. And um, and uh, because I'm not going to read the whole story, this woman had, uh, as the story goes on, Jesus tells her, says, hey, go get your husband. And she says, well, I, I don't have a husband. And she, he says, well, you're right. He says, you've had five husbands, and the one you're with is not your husband. And, and it was amazing to me in this that Jesus says that thing to her, and she's not offended, but she's like, she notices there's something different about him. There wasn't this condemnation thing. This, there was this thing of, whoa, there's something. He's inviting me into something. He's inviting me into something. But at the beginning of this, this is what it says. It says in verse 7, Then a woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone off into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman asked him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask me, a Samaritan woman, for a drink? For Jews have nothing to do with Samaritans. Jesus said, Jesus answered her, If you knew about God's gift of eternal life and who it is who says, Give me a drink, you would have asked him instead, and he would have given you living water, eternal life. So Jesus was saying this, as you've been asking me, or he said, I'm asking, I've asked you for a drink. But this isn't even about me asking you for a drink. If you actually saw how faithful I was and how good I was, that you knew that I was the source of life, you would have asked me. You wouldn't have made it about what you can give me. You would have made it about what I can give you. And that's the kingdom. It's the kingdom. Now, I believe that there is, a, again, a positioning, a way that we position ourselves to receive from him. There is a humility. There is a dependency. We need you, Lord. We need you, right? But I believe in this season, somebody needs to hear this, is that this isn't about the drink of water that you can give God. This is about you asking him for a drink of water. Amen. All right. Y'all doing good? All right. So... We're going to, our, our main passage today, it's a, it's a short verse, but Matthew chapter 5, I'm going to, um, I want to, I'm, what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you this scripture in a couple different translations, and I want to show you something, and I actually want to go into um, almost a little word study for us um, in this, because I, I've been kind of diving into Matthew chapter 5, and it's so good. And, and, and for me, it's something fresh. 
and revelatory. And so meaning that I've read that for a long time, but I feel like the Lord just revealed something different. And, um, and that's always good. And I believe that's what the Lord does. That's what revelation is, is when he's like, Hey, I want to actually show you something about me that you've never seen before. And it actually empowers you to, to change and to become who you're supposed to be. Amen. Um, Matthew chapter five, verse three, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Um, you know, I've, I've heard, I look out to be honest with you. I've read this scripture. I don't know how many times growing up and, and to be honest with you, I didn't really ever understand what it meant to be poor in spirit. For me, it meant that you, like I had this picture when I hear poor of spirit where it meant, man, I've got to be like mopey in my spirit, or I've got to be like, I've got to just constantly feel bankrupt. You know, I've got to feel it for and and it's not the truth. It's not what's saying, but I can just tell you from my my standpoint. I looked at this and said, "There's something almost like for me. It felt like false humility, and I know that's not what it was, but that that was my idea of it. Was this? I just got to be little, and I've got to just be nothing. They poor in spirit." But it's so much more than that. And uh, but what I want to do is I want to first talk about the word blessed. OK, Jesus is saying here, blessed are you. If Jesus comes and says, hey, this is what I consider blessed. You're probably like, well, that's pretty important. Right. How many of you want to be blessed? Right. I, I, can I just say this? It's God's desire for you to be blessed. Jesus said, I've come that you have life and life to the fullest. OK, if that. For you, if that contradicts something inside of you, you may need to ask the Lord to change the way you think. He wants good for you. And, and that is beyond just, I think it, it doesn't exclude, but it's not just talking about your external possessions. It very much can and will include that. But I believe it's living from a certain place that affects everything else. Yeah. That's what the, the, the type of blessing he's talking about. But this word, um, the Aramaic word that would have been used when Jesus said blessed, it is a word that I'm going to try and pronounce. But it, uh, if, if we have the word, we can put it up. But it's this word that says tuwehun, tuwehun. Okay, so you see it up there, tuwehun. When I think of that H-O-N, I think of like, hey, hun. Um <laughs> That's Southern. Anyways, um, but Tuehan means enriched, happy, content, fortunate, delightful, and the best definition for it, blissful, where everything is bliss. So and, and in that, what it meant, because if you go and read Matthew chapter five in the Amplified Bible, what happens is you'll see every time that it uses the word blessed, it uses a different way to describe blessed because this word, it is describing this blissful life, delighted, enriched, blessed, right? It is, it is encompassing this life. That, and, and I love in um, the Amplified, it actually says this, is that um, it calls it joy on the inside despite what's happening on the external. That type of blessing where it's like, man, there is something inside of me that's greater than what's happening on the outside. And what's happening on the inside is actually affecting what's on my outside. Amen. And so Tuehan. So I pray Tuehan over you. 
okay, the, a blissful life, right? And that's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, so if you said this, is that Jesus, what if Jesus was saying a blissful life um, is had by the person who is poor in spirit? You'd be like, okay. Um, well, what does that mean? So a better way to talk about poor in spirit. Um, see, the poor in spirit only have one remedy, to trust God. Poor in spirit means this. It means the Lord is my only option. That's it. He's my only option. He's the one I trust. It, it is dependence on him. I'm poor in spirit. I need him. It is acknowledging your need for him. That is to be poor in spirit. It is to say, I need him. I need him. So he's saying this is blessed to Wehan are you who are completely dependent on God. And then he goes on to say, for yours is the realm of heaven's kingdom. So I would like to propose to you is that the door to the kingdom starts with dependence on God. It starts with actually acknowledging our need for him in every area to be poor in spirit. So he's saying, so there is this thing where he's saying when it's at, you actually get to the place where you're not like, well, I have to figure this out and I've got to do this. And I got, and if I can do this and I can instead in every area of your life where you're saying, Lord, what do you think? What if in your life, everything that comes up, you begin to inquire of the Lord one of my favorite stories is David, when he became, became king, he had this heart to bring the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem. It's one of his first acts as king was, I want to bring, I want to make a place for the presence of the Lord. And so they go to bring the Ark of the Covenant and tragedy happens. One of the men carrying it as the oxen pulling slipped, he tried to stabilize it. He put his hand on it and he's instantly dead because you were not supposed to put a hand on the Ark of the Covenant. And so David, it's like, oh my goodness, what is happening? And so he says, we're going to bring this to somebody else's house. We're going to take a little detour here. But then sometime later, he says, it's still, he, he realizes the place where the Ark of the Covenant has landed, that home, that place has become blessed. And he said, it is important for us to bring the Ark of the Covenant here to Jerusalem. And so he brings in the Levites, the priests, the leaders of, of Israel, and he tells them this. He said, the first time we tried to do this, the first time we brought the ark, we did not inquire of the Lord. We did not ask him how he wanted to do it. David's intent was so good and so pure, but he did not inquire of the Lord. And I believe in our lives, we go through things, we, we even have the best intent. And I think sometimes in life, things don't pan out the way they, they, uh, we intend um, because we don't inquire of the Lord. We, we are striving. We are like, I'm going to do this. I'm gonna, I've seen lots of people who have engaged in doing ministry with a good heart, wanting to do something for the Lord, but they never ask the Lord how he wants to do it. See, maybe for you, it's I'm, I'm trying to figure out a job. I'm trying to figure out my family. I'm trying to figure out 
what's going on in my life. I'm trying to do these things. And, and maybe for you, you're like, well, I've known this and I've done this. And 10 years ago, this is how the Lord did it. So I'm just going to do that. But you haven't said, Lord, how do you want to do it? What do you want to do? What's in your heart? And the truth is, is he's good and he's faithful to you. The truth is, is he is, you can depend on him and you can be dependent on him because he is dependable. He is faithful. He is kind. He is good to you. And all he is asking of you is that you would trust him. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding, right? Everything points to him saying, I want you to trust me. I want you to trust me. I want you to trust what I can do. And, and ultimately, he wants relationship, right? He wants relationship. He, he is a good father that is saying, I want, I want you to trust me, and I want to be involved. I want to be involved in your life. I don't want, to, I want, don't want you to live absent from me. I don't want you to f- figure out, try and figure out just life on your own. And, and this isn't about you creating something, you becoming something, and it being about your glory. It's about his glory. And guess what? As we begin to encounter his glory, the Bible says we get to share in his glory, but it's because we live with him and we are found in him and we have trusted him and we have believed him and we have invited him into every place. Right? And so the the great thing about it is, you know, those who trust in the Lord will never be put to shame is you can do this. If you are doing the thing that God has asked you to do, you don't have to worry about if it's all going to work out or not. You can know because he's good to you, whatever the best thing is for you is what you're going to get. It might not look exactly like you thought it would, but he wants, he, he knows you. He made you. He made you. He created you. He's God, not you. Right. So he actually knows what's best best for you better than you know what's best for you. You might have an idea. You know, last week we talked, I was kind of picking on personality tests a little bit, and I, I was really just joking at so much of it. But the truth is, is that many of us do. We try and find out like ourselves through personality tests. You take all those little Facebook things and you're like, oh, I was meant to be an astronaut. Who knew? And um, I was I was supposed to be a firefighter. Man, I missed it. And um, and before you know it, you're all confused about life because you have. uh, (laughs) Anyways. But what happens when we begin to inquire of the Lord, our own life, who we are, what we were made for, what he wants us to do with your children? What happens whenever you begin to inquire of the Lord? Lord, like I've found this about my children is they're all very different. They're also like what worked for one did not work for the other. And I'm like, I thought, you know, right when I had it figured out, that kid pulled a quick one on me, you know, and um And so it requires me to inquire of the Lord and say, Lord, I need to trust you with my kids because I obviously have no idea. (laughs) You know, but then the Lord does give wisdom and he shows us and he speaks to us. And so a lot of us, though, we have this mentality that we are somehow that, that God's sitting back and he's just waiting for you to either get it right or to get it wrong. 
And he's just sitting back saying, I want to see what they do. I want to see. And, and he's not, and, and we're like, Lord, help. And he's like, oh, I just want to see what you do. Let's see what, and that's not him. He's a father that like loves to be with you. He loves to engage. He loves to come near. He loves to come close. He loves to speak to you. I believe the father is always speaking. It is us learning to hear his voice. It is us learning to turn aside like Moses turned aside and, and came to the burning bush, right? We learn to turn aside and to come hear his voice. And he wants to speak into every place. So if you're having things in your life where you're like, I just can't figure it out. And the Lord's not showing up. He's not, I want him to do this. And I'm, I've been asking him to do this, and he just won't do it. Maybe you should say, well, Lord, is the thing that I'm asking you to do not the way that you're wanting to do it? Are you wanting to come a different way? I'm dependent on you because you are dependable, and I can trust you. I can't figure out my spouse. They keep being a knucklehead. I keep trying to tell them how big of a knucklehead they are, and they can't get it. Instead, saying, Lord, what are you wanting to tell them? What is the thing that you're wanting to speak into their life that could shift everything? You know, the, the Apostle Paul, before he was called Paul, he was called Saul. He was the kind of guy, he needed a name change just because he went from literally one person to the next. And, um, and his name was Saul, and he was persecuting Christians, right? And he encounters Jesus on the road to Damascus, and Jesus comes and he said, Paul, why are you persecuting me? You know, why are you persecuting me? And Paul's like, Lord? He's like, whoever you are, you are Lord. <laughs> whoever you are. But Jesus had told him this. He said, why do you, why, why are you bucking up against me is ultimately what he's saying. Why are you fighting me? Why are you opposing me, Paul? And so what he was saying is, Saul, I know you think you're doing this in my name and you're thinking you're doing the right thing, but you're really opposing me because you haven't asked. You've assumed you've had your thing in the way you know things, but I'm asking you to hear what I'm saying. I need you to encounter me, not not just what you're supposed to be doing, not just the set of rules, not just what you need to do, but I want you to encounter me so I can become your desire. And so it can actually become the desire of your heart to do the thing that I want to lead you into. That is going to be life and life to the fullest. And what if, you know, I love the song we sang last, nothing else, nothing else. Like, Lord, nothing else is going to do. I just, I want you. I want you and I want you. I believe that he wants to become the desire of your heart where it's not just, you know, what it, I even think that maybe us saying I need you should shift to saying I want you. Because when you first declare I need you and then you see who he is, it turns into, oh, I want you because you're so good. I needed you and you came and you became my desire. And now I just want you. I want you because you're good in all you do. And that's what it means to grow in the Lord is you see your need for him. You, 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 you realize the, the law was there to help us recognize that we needed a savior for the Israelites. The, the law was given for them to realize we can't get it together. We need a savior. The law was fully God. It fully demonstrated the holiness of God. But man could not, without a shift in the heart, without the law being written on their heart, could never walk in it. 
is it actually had to be where Jesus came and he was Savior and where we said, we need you. And he became Savior. And then when we saw how good he is and we see how good he is, we begin to say, man, my desires are changing. I don't just feel like I need to do that. I actually, I really want to do that. I really want to love well because he's loved me really well. I want to be faithful because he is so faithful. It's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. It is the goodness and kindness of God that changes the way we think. Amen. Y'all good today? So we are learning to become dependent on God. And um, could I get the worship team to come up? And Abby, could y'all... I want to do that song again, and I just want us to, this morning, give our, our hearts in a way to the Lord where we say, Lord, become the desire of our hearts. Can we do that today? I know I'm asking that, but it's what we're going to do today. Um, I believe that Jesus wants you to have the culture of heaven inside of you. That, that you know the way that God does things and that you are, that you, you see his goodness. He wants you to see, David said, I'm confident of this. I'm going to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Is I believe that he wants you to see his goodness. But I also, I, I know this is that his goodness is seen as we come and we depend on him. It'll be, it'll be one of the most um, evident things of your life is just seeing, well, you'll, you'll be seeing the evidence of his goodness as you depend on him, right? And I even just believe today, some of you, you may have been with different areas, whatever it is, maybe it's your own life, maybe it's the life of others, but you've been striving, you've been, ah, I've been trying to do this, and the Lord's saying, come and lean on me, come and depend on me, come, come and see my solution, um, I had a few months ago, I was in a conversation with somebody who's close to me, dear to me. And, um, and I, I, to be honest in my attempt, probably to fix them, um, we, we got into a heated conversation. Okay. That's not necessarily a thing for me. I generally love peace, but like, yeah, I, my truth is, is my intent was, was good. I wanted to, I wanted them to know truth, right? And, uh, and we got into this conversation and it did not end well. It actually ended with us not talking for a while. And, um, and I remember just this interaction with the Lord where in my mind, I'm still thinking this person, they're just wrong. Lord, I just pray that you would just show them how wrong they are. Just show them how messed up their thinking is. And, and I had this just arrogant, uh, there, there was no authority in the relationship to love them well because I wasn't really loving them with the love of God. And the Lord said, will you trust me with that? You think they need to hear ABC, but the truth is that they need to hear this. And you might not like it, but I know the way to their heart. And I'm saying that to say, even in our relationships and in our way of doing things, Good intentions aren't enough. All right. It's like I believe, like I'm proud of you for having good intentions. That's awesome. 
But we are called to live a life led by the Spirit of God in a relationship where we can say, and where we can say, Lord, how do you want to do it? And he's faithful to show you. You know, Peter, he was confronted by some people who said, hey, don't you and your teacher pay taxes? And Peter's like, yeah, but he really didn't know. He's like, I think we do. Um, and he's all distraught, right? He's distraught over this. I don't, I just, I'm in this situation. I don't know what to do. And Jesus knew his thoughts. He knew he was in distress. And he tells Peter, he said, Peter, who pays taxes? He said, is, is, is it are the, the sons of of the wealthy, is it, who, who is it, and, and, um, and, and he's confronting that thing in Peter that's like, oh, I'm not sure, I don't know what to do about this, what's right, what's, what's going on, and, and then Jesus, he, this is his solution, Jesus says, hey Peter, this is what I want you to go do, I want you to go catch a fish, Peter's a fisherman, that's easy, that's fun, love to go catch a fish, and he said, but here's the thing, when you open its mouth, it's going to have enough money to pay taxes for you and me. So in the moment, Jesus was teaching Peter to tap into my solution, to tap into his solution. He's saying, you can trust me. Like these things that you get freaked out about and you're like, oh, I don't know what to do. Like, God, you've got to come and do this. God, come and do this. If you would just, and he's saying, will you give me the invitation of your heart? Will you give me the invitation to come and to give you a solution? Will you lean not on your own understanding? on what you can figure out. What if I want to do it in a way that's just so incredibly fun and good and it reveals my limitlessness? It reveals how big I am. It reveals how much I care for you. Because everything, the, Lord, the way the Lord wants to move in your life, it is going to be in a way that reveals a new part of Him to you. And it solidifies what you think and believe about Him. Because He wants you to know Him. He wants you to trust Him. And he wants to come with you to come on that journey with him where you are walking with him. Amen. That's good news. It is good news, right? Let's stand this morning. Lord, I just thank you. Thank you for who you are. I thank you that you are good and kind and faithful. I thank you that you are dependable and that we can depend on you. I thank you that we, as we are learning to make you our only option, that, that, that we come to you for everything, that we come and we can inquire of you. I thank you for the life in the kingdom, the blessed life, the blissful life, the delighted life, that the simple, the simplicity of coming to you and saying, Lord, how do you want to do it? Knowing that you, you, have given us your spirit that leads us into all truth and lets us know what is to come. I pray today for those whose hearts have been heavy and burdened by the responsibilities that they have carried that you have not put on them. I pray today, Lord, that, that we would leave only carrying what you've asked us to carry and nothing else. And I thank you that the kingdom is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. 
It is not a life of heaviness. It is a life of peace. It is a delighted life. It is a blissful life as we learn to know you and we learn to trust you and we learn to walk with you. So today, Lord, we want to come. We want to come and repent, Lord, for giving ourselves to things and to options and into opinions, Lord, that were never yours. And we want to give ourselves in a way that says, Lord, we are dependent on you. We are dependent on the dependable one, the faithful one, the trustworthy one, the one who will never leave us or forsake us. I thank you that those who know their God will be strong and do great exploits. I thank you that you are bringing us to a place where we know you. We know you. Not just the stories, Lord, but by experience, we have encountered you. We have trusted you and walked with you. So I thank you that today, Lord, that you are, that you are liberating your people. I thank you, Lord, that they are becoming dependent on you. Dependent on you so that they can become independent from everything that they were never supposed to be. So we just love you, Jesus. Come on, I just want us to take a few minutes this morning and let the team lead us. And I just want you to come before the Lord today. And I just want you to declare your dependence on him. Say, Lord, I want you. I want you. I want your voice to lead me in every circumstance, in every situation, in every trial, with my family, with my kids, with my job, with my future, with my past. Lord, it's all yours. Thank you.
it's almost been that it's like part of who you are and part of what marks you as someone who is solution-minded figuring things out I'm somebody who can fix problems and that's awesome I believe the Lord causes you to do that but I just felt like for if it's just for someone in the room is that because that's who you are the Lord is saying is your identity has been wrapped up in that and the Lord's saying I want you to actually learn to lean into me for better solutions for greater solutions, for heavenly solutions, where it's not in your own strength. Because it's the gift on your life and it's been good, but it has only been a small fraction of what it could be as you begin to say, Lord, I want your solution. I want your solutions. I believe some of you have actually been gifted to carry the solutions of heaven and bring them into the earth. And so I just wanted to release that for those who you feel like that is what marks my life as I can bring solution, is the Lord saying, let me give you heaven solution so that you can release it in the earth. Amen. Man, Lord, I just bless your people right now in the name of Jesus. I bless them with peace. 
I bless them with a blissful life in the name of Jesus. I thank you, Jesus, that you have come, that we have life and life to the fullest. So I thank you that you are removing all doubt and fear this morning. I thank you for your body living in the fullness of what you have called them to live. I just ask that, Lord, that you would teach us to inquire of you, that you would teach us to trust you with every circumstance, every relationship, with every opinion. Lord, that we wouldn't lean on what we understand and what we think, but that, Lord, we would lean into your opinions and your thoughts and your kindness and your goodness. So we fully submit to you this morning. Thank you for all you're doing in Jesus name. Amen. 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 Thank you for tuning in to our sermon of the week. For more information, please visit us at thewellspringchurch.org.